Welcome to Up Next with Tommy Lee, with influential Christian leaders sharing their passions and purpose in personal conversations. And now, founder and president of Resource Global, managing partner of Barnabas Group Chicago, and your host on Up Next, Tommy Lee. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Up Next. Today and for the next couple weeks, we have some wonderful uh, hosts today. Kent Lau. Kent, welcome. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks, Tommy. And a brand new voice, Vince C. And so, Vince, welcome to the program for the first time. Well, thank you, Tommy. Uh, on the phone today, we have Chris Lim, who I've gotten to know for a couple years. Chris, you're going to hear about his journey, started his work and career at Amazon, and now is the founder of Theotech. Uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that and what Theotech does. So, Chris, welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hey, Chris, let me ask you a quick question. I mean, for you is, talk about your early start before Theotech to Amazon and everything like that. How did you get your start, and eventually, how did you end up starting Theotech? So I started Amazon fresh out of college. I have a master's in computer science from the University of Washington. Um, and in Amazon, I was kind of lonely the first year. You know, it's just first job out of college. You feel inadequate. You're learning everything and drinking out of a fire hose. Um, but by the second year, I started to make more friends, and some of my Christian friends from my college uh, actually showed up on my floor. And so sometime in the third year is when I decided, you know what, we should do something together. Uh, we should study the theology of technology, because that's something that's unique for us as creators of technology, not just consumers. And it's something that local churches weren't really doing. So I asked my friends to get, to get together in a group, and we would study the theology of technology together uh, through several books over the course of um, several months. And eventually, one of the series that we did was called uh, Succeeding in Amazon as a Christian. And that was comparing the Amazon leadership principles that you are rated on in your performance reviews with the Bible <clears throat> and the scriptures to see if, uh, as a follower of Jesus, wanted to become like Jesus, could you succeed in a place like Amazon and vice versa? Uh, if you were aiming to fulfill those leadership principles, is God using that to help you grow as a Christian? And the uh, Stunning conclusion, unsurprisingly perhaps, is that actually God is using the marketplace and using these leadership principles to develop people to become more like Christ, whether the marketplace realizes it or not. And we explore, of course, the, the limits of that, the boundaries of that, but in a lot of ways, um, the leadership principles are a way that God uses to make people like Christ. So, eventually, I actually, one of those leadership principles I'll dive into on this call, which is customer obsession. So leaders begin with the customer, and they work backwards, and they might pay attention to competition, but they obsess over customers. So in that Bible study that we did around that principle, <clears throat> just asking about, you know, what is it, if you're not obsessing over your customers, who are you obsessing over? Probably yourself, your wants, your desires, your goals. Um, and so actually love uh, obsessing over customers is a way that you learn to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and so that was one application of how this integration happened, this faith and work integration happened. But the second thing that I, I brought up in that study was, you know, guys, what if God's our customer? What if we obsess over what God desires? and work backwards to invent products that deliver the outcomes that God desires. So that was a that was such an interesting question that I got a VP from customer service actually email me afterwards saying like, huh, I'm gonna think about that one. Um, <clears throat> but it was more of a theory at the time. And a couple months later uh, is when for me it became a calling where it seemed like God told me to leave my job, devote my attention to the purpose God called me to and trust mm-hmm. him and provide. And that, um, that purpose as I understood it was what I call technology entrepreneurship for the gospel. That's mm-hmm. a mouthful, but what it really means is just obsessed over God as your customer, work backwards, and invent uh, products that deliver the outcomes God wants. And not only to do that myself as a practitioner, but also to activate other people 
in the marketplace and in ministry contexts and in every other kind of situation to make God their customer. Interesting. Got it. Hey, you're listening to Up Next on AM 1160. We're talking to Chris Slim, who is the founder of Theotech. Kent. Hey, so Chris, tell us a little bit about Theotech. What uh, does the organization do? How did you get started? <clears throat> well, um, so I, t- I shared a little bit about the backstory and the calling. I did end up leaving Amazon after a period of discernment and ups and downs. It was a ridiculous journey um, to kind of a step of faith to, to, to go through that. But uh, now as I look back on Theotech, and we've done it about for six, I've, I left Amazon about six years ago. So as I look back on the journey, I can say that we've done three big things, I think. Uh, the first thing is activating a movement of technology entrepreneurship for the gospel through hackathons. So, in fact, in Seattle, we're going to have a hackathon coming up this weekend uh, where it brings together Christian technologists, entrepreneurs, designers, and other people uh, to pitch ideas and then to work for 24 hours on those ideas on a prototype that they can then present at the end to a panel of judges. And some of them get awards. But the big picture there is it's one of activation and unleashing. These are all the members of the body of Christ bringing their most valuable gifts to bear for the kingdom of God. So the ideas that they're pitching and stuff all have a kind of a kingdom aspect to them. And um, that event is something that we do for the community. It's a free event, usually raising sponsorship money to cover the cost. But it's so powerful because it's a, a manifestation, I think, of Ephesians 4, where the work of the ministry is being done by the saints, by the gifts that God has given to all these people, and the most valuable gifts. You know, These are the things that people are using to make their salaries, that are generating trillions of dollars of market value worldwide, being brought to bear intentionally for the kingdom of God. So Hope for the Kingdom Hackathons is one thing that Theotech has helped to organize and push through uh, over the past six years. The second thing that we did was we wanted to make a concrete example of what it looks like, what the difference is between making God as your customer versus human as your customer. And so um, if people are familiar, there's this concept of human-centered design, which is very popular in the app world, technology world. And it will basically, what we did was uh, took First Timothy 2, which is where the Apostle Paul writes saying that God, uh, Paul was telling people to pray for all people, especially those who are in power, because God desires all people to be saved. So if God's my customer, and that's what my customer desires for people to be saved, and he specified a means for that, which is through the prayers of the saints, praying for all people, uh, then can we build technology to help Christians fulfill what God wants them to pray for? And back then, when I, before we started this project, it was called. We ended up calling it ceaseless or ceaseless prayer or pray without ceasing. Um, I was looking at my own prayer life, and it was very selfish. Most of the things I was praying about was literally just for me, or maybe my family, maybe my church community. Very inward focused, and I knew God wanted wanted something different. So we built ceaseless, which is uh, an open source, free app that people can download in the app store uh, for both iOS and Android. And this app does something very simple. Every day it shows you a scripture related to prayer and then three of your contacts to pray for that morning. But what happens is you're praying for all the contacts in your address book, including all those relationships with people who are not Christians, who are outside of your, you know, maybe from college or high school, all these relationships that God has gifted you in your life. And you're praying for all of them uh, on a personal, you know, name-by-name basis. And the, the thing that was stunning for me when we first started this project for Ceaseless was that after six months of using it, I had about 70 friends who were using the first prototype. After six months, we had prayed for more than 20,000 people, just the 70 of us. And it just shows the kind of relational footprint that even a small church plant has on a city. Uh, the relational footprint can be about 20,000 people. And it blew my mind because we did the math, we needed a mathematical model, and it kind of showed that with only 1% of Christians in the world, we could personally pray for everyone on earth. 
which would be a fulfillment of First Timothy 2 in a way that I don't even think the Apostle Paul was really imagining when he said, pray for all people. Um, and so that was an example of what happens when you make God the customer. If we had made man the customer, we would have probably thought about people are busy, people are distracted, they want things to help them to pray more regularly, and uh, we would maybe be like a prayer to-do list or something like that. But when God's a customer, and we know that God wants people to be saved through the prayers of His people, then we end up doing something very different, producing a very different outcome, but something that's, for me, it's just, it's mind-blowing that that's possible. So that was the second thing that we did. First thing, Code for the Kingdom. Second thing, Ceaseless Prayer. Ceaselessprayer.com is the website to learn more about that. And the third thing is the thing that our business is actually built around. It's the way that we actually make money. Um, and it's called Spiffio, SPF.io, but it's still working within that frame of God's the customer. And so for us, we see Revelation 7, where the kingdom of God includes people from every tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping Jesus together. But we look, we compare that with the churches of our day, and the status quo, by and large, is segregated by language. And so what we know is that our customer's vision is something that's integrated. And we know that the kingdom, we're not going to make it happen on earth, but we know that our role as Christians and churches is to bear witness to the kingdom of God through even our gatherings. So we decided to build this technology, Spiffio, for real-time translation and accessibility. Mm -hmm. and, um, and this is basically trying to enable every worship gathering to be accessible in any language, so that churches all across the world can reflect every single Sunday a taste of the kingdom of God. And uh, that's a platform that's already available, spf.io is the website. It's being used by churches, it's been used at conferences all the way at the denominational level, it's been used for small talks at events. Uh, but the big picture there is that we want to fulfill our customers' desire, uh, which is to help churches to reflect the kingdom by being integrated across the language and culture barrier, and also the disability barrier, including people with disabilities, including people from many languages. They are essential to the kingdom of God. Got it. Hey, Chris, I mean, we're about to hit on a break here. If you guys get a chance, go to spf.io. It's a phenomenal thing, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it after the break and this whole idea of uh, theology of technology as well, too. So, uh, man, no, thank you very much about that journey and what you're doing as well, too. Hey, Vince, you have one quick question. We have literally a minute left before we hit break. You have one quick question for uh, Chris? Yeah, Chris, I mean, it, phenomenally, uh, how you've been involved uh, in quite a number of ministries and developing and growing these ministries. Uh, the SPIF.io uh, website that you've created, um, how have you been getting that out there? Uh, and maybe it might uh, be a story that you tell that kind of uh, goes between uh, now and after the break. But uh, definitely tell us a little bit more about how you're getting that uh, out there so that more and more users can get access to it, uh, especially at conferences and uh, uh, whether it be at the various congregations that might have multi-language uh, type uh, congregations. And actually with that thought, Chris, let's hold and uh, we'll answer that after break. And so, and then we're hitting on a break. Hey, for past interviews, go to upnext.city. That's upnext.city. There you're going to hear a, a lot of different leaders that we've gotten to talk about, about their journey, whether it's ministry leaders or marketplace leaders who are doing things for the gospel. And so go to upnext.city. You're going to hear a lot of people from Crawford Ritz. You're going to hear from Bob Dole, Andy Crouch, and all of these leaders. All of us have a journey. And so how do we begin to really reflect upon the journey that God has us on, where we are right now, and how God has been weaving through the good times and bad times of what we are. So, hey, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with Chris Lim. You're listening to Up Next with Tommy Lee on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. 
Well, welcome to another episode. Up next, right before the break, we were just talking with uh, Chris Slim, who is the founder of Theotech. And we're going to talk a little bit about this new project that he's working on today on Project Pentecost. And so today, my co-host today is Kent Lau, and our new co-host today is Vince C. Hey, Vince, right before the break, you had a question for Chris. Can you repeat that question again? Sure can. This automatic language translation uh, topic, Chris, that you've been uh, just sharing about, uh, could you elaborate a little bit more about how that is getting out there for uh, folks globally to be able to utilize, whether that's in conferences or various churches, uh, as they have uh, different languages and, and, and the ability to be able to translate that for a variety of different yeah. users as they, as they listen to messages? Absolutely. So... We are actually right now in the middle of a campaign called Project Pentecost, which is a movement of individuals and churches who believe that diversity glorifies God and that churches can and should reflect the diversity of God's kingdom by including people in many languages and people with disabilities every single week. Um, So projectpentecost.com is the website for that. The reason why we created is that we discovered that I think many, 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 many churches and church leaders and people have good intentions. They know this is a, a thing that's driven by the heart of the gospel, but um, they don't have a mechanism to be able to make those good intentions of including people in their churches actual. And so this campaign is a way to help give everything from the biblical basis for diversity to build up their conviction about that. We're creating a multilingual video that people can use to cast vision in their churches on, on the day of Pentecost, if, even if their church is not diverse yet, to give a taste of what the kingdom could be like and to invite the congregation into that. We're creating um, a worship song that's open licensed so that it can be freely translated into many languages, and it will be translated into several languages so that you can sing it together for worship on that Sunday. All these different assets and resources we're realizing are necessary to cast the vision so that we begin to see that the body of Christ, the big project, the cosmic project that God has us working on, um, is what each of our individual churches is a part of. And in so doing, reflecting that in our worship services by using technology to break through, to bridge the language barrier, the cultural barriers that we have. So Project Pentecost is the way that we're trying to promote this for the church uh, market, I guess you could say, and just helping everyone to feel um, the sense of what the Holy Spirit is doing through our churches in our day and what's possible now with the technology. Uh, Clearly, you're a visionary, and so God has given you... Uh, just some ideas and some things that he wants you to do in this world. And and so, but of course, you're just one person. And, and anytime you start a new initiative or come up with some new applications, you're going to need a team of people to come alongside with you. Was that difficult, convincing folks to, to join you on this journey and kind of uh, take take this step of faith? Um, absolutely. And it's it was difficult for multiple reasons. I think that one is that when I started, um, I had plenty of insecurity and self-doubt. And if I was going to leave Amazon to do this, I didn't want to take anybody else down with me. Um, If I was going to risk it, it'd be my own stuff, basically. And so I started out alone for a very long time with many of the initiatives. And God provided, I think, in various ways, uh, partners, right? People like Code for the Kingdom, that hackathon only was possible because a month after I quit, I got in touch with uh, my friend Chris Armas, who was leading that initiative, and he wanted to do one in Seattle. And uh, it was just perfect timing. It was serendipitous. It became a community for me. Um, and along the way, um, God provided me actually with my sister, who's my co-founder. Uh, Natasha also worked at Amazon before. She saw what I was doing, and in a season of her life and discernment, she decided that she was going to join me and to pursue what God wanted us to do. And so I think the biggest um, thing that basically I wanted was for people to have their own sense of calling from God mm. in, in joining me. In the bigger in the bigger picture and process, I never wanted to recruit anybody. I never wanted to ask somebody to give up what they're doing to follow what I'm doing. 
Um, but I always would cast vision for what I would I believed God wants all of us to be doing. And then for people who hear that call and see how it applies to them, if they want to join up with us, that's fantastic. And I want to be a platform for us to support the unleashing of all their different gifts for, the, for building up the body. So having said that, that's for full-time. My dad also recently joined us, which is fantastic. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But also, the, yeah, but also there's, I can talk more about that too. Um, but also there's this other aspect where Lexisus is open source, and that makes it a community project. And so we've had developers and designers of all kinds who don't work for Theotech and don't regularly even volunteer who have contributed to the code base. And their code is making a difference in thousands of people's lives um, because they're using it every day to pray for others. So we've created other channels and avenues for people to participate even without having to go all in in leaving their jobs to go join what we're doing in the mission God's called us to. And uh, along the way, we've had interns. And so there's been various channels. But the big unifying vision is that we want to activate and unleash every believer to use their gifts for God's kingdom, their most valuable gifts for the kingdom of God. And Theotech is kind of one avenue, one platform for doing that. Got it. Hey, you're listening to Up Next on AM 1160. We are talking with Chris Slim, uh, founder and president of uh, Theotech. Hey, Chris, let me ask you a quick question. Let's let's go back to a family business. You now have your sister and your father working with you. What roles do they play? What role do you play? What role does your dad play? What role does your sister play? How do you guys work together in a startup, but now also family business? Yeah, great question. So it took time for my sister and I to figure out how things would play out. Um, we grew up together, but we weren't always close as younger kids. And so uh, as we were doing Theotech together, it's been interesting because we assumed that it would be more like a technical and business divide because she was in business. She went to business school. I went to you know computer science. Um, but as the CEO and as the leader, I obviously had to still own the vision and the bigger picture. So what I've come to discover is that my sister is exceptional at, at operating processes, actually. She loves doing that. She loves arranging things and operating processes. And so more and more, we've been shifting her role to cover more of that ground. And she owns customer success um, and and all that flows from that. But really, I've seen her strength to be operating the processes of the business so that everything keeps moving forward. Uh, and then my my biggest, I think, my strength would be creating. Like, I love creating stuff. Uh, and right, whether that's in the form of writing or videos or this form of building apps and products, casting vision, that's what I. That's my sweet spot. But as a leader, I kind of have to own, you know, I have to own everything. So I have to do things where my strengths are not really not brought to bear either. Got it. Got and then my dad, um, he is, I would say, the quintessential networker. Like uh, his his happy place would be just traveling the world, meeting people, building relationships, connecting the dots to create value. And so we're still figuring out what the best role for him is because the business itself definitely we need to put more attention towards our sales and marketing now that our platform has some product market fit. We can meet the needs for translation and accessibility. Uh, there's some need for sales and marketing there. And I see that maybe my dad's strength is going to be brought to bear in pursuing those relationships that are needed so that people are not only aware of the product, but they see the real value it delivers to them and their networks. So I'm seeing him move, move into that biz dev role. Yeah, got it, Chris. Hey, Vince. Sure, sure. So, Chris, uh, it sounds like you've put together a great team and uh, realized uh, your own gifts and your dad and your sister's gifts and putting it all together. You know, starting a new company is always risky, as you mentioned earlier, I think, in the broadcast. What advice would you give to any entrepreneur in starting their own company? That's one question. And the second question is, specifically in the tech industry, which is very, very fast-paced, as you know, uh, being in it for multiple years, how do you keep... Uh, how do you keep up to date and uh, with within pace of all the changing technology that's going around uh, you and, and especially up there in that sector in the uh, northwest? 
So I think that um, I'll give my I'll give my two cents, my advice uh, from a like I think here's the unique contribution I think that Christians have to make specifically in creating businesses. So this is not general entrepreneurial advice. The the thing I believe God called me to do is to spread this message for entrepreneurs that God is your customer. Um, obsess over what God, God desires and work backwards. And even if that business is something that may not be so innovative, it could be like even a food truck. If Jesus were to come up to your food truck and buy your food, what kind of an experience would you want to give him? And let's say you didn't even recognize him. Um, how, how would you want to treat him? What, what kind of food and ingredients would you want to use? The whole picture, you can reimagine it, where Jesus, God in the flesh, was your customer showing up. So this applies for any kind of business, both highly visionary ones and just food trucks even. Um, so that's the one thing, I've, the message that I feel called to spread is to invite entrepreneurs to make on their customer and to work backwards from there. And, but in ter- and the second, it answers the second question, too. And I think it's kind of quoting some of Jeff Bezos' wisdom, is you want to seek the things that aren't going to change and build your business on that. You want to build your business on the invariance. So there's going to be, the, the pace of change is only going to go up. But if you can identify those key things in what you're delivering that are not going to change, then you have, some, you have something to build on for the long term. So in the case of Amazon, that was that it was price selection convenience, that customers would never want higher prices, they would never want less selection, and they would never want to have their products be less inconvenient. So as long as they're building the business on those three pillars, uh, or the flywheel as they call it at Amazon, then the business has something to build on for the long term, even as other things change, like technology rapidly changing. So in the same way in the industry, the market that you're trying to pursue, you can think about what are the invariants, and to bring God into the picture, uh, you can think about what is it that God really values at the essence of the kind of things that the value exchange that's happening in that market, in that industry, what is it that God wants? And then build on that, and you have something for the long term for your business. Got it, Chris. Thank you very much. We have a minute left. Let me make sure I'm very clear and get this out. Project Pentecost, for those who are interested, is projectpentecost.com. And so take a look at that. For especially his app in terms of multilingual experience, go to spf.o. And to contact Chris, talk a little bit more about uh, theology, entrepreneurship, go to theotech.org. Chris, am I missing anything? Uh, the website for the product is spf.io. Oh, spf.io. Got Tommy, you're speaking too fast. Dot io. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> All right, so it's projectpentecost.com. It's spf.io, and then it's theotech.org. Yes. All right, perfect. Chris, thank you very much. We're going to have to have you on again and just hear a little bit more about how things are going, what you're doing. All right, I'm very grateful. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you. Hey, thank you for everyone. And for more episodes of Up Next, go to upnext.city. And so, Kent, Vince, thank you very much. And I look forward to next week when we get a chance to uh, get together again. So, hey, have a good day, everyone, and go to upnext.city. You've been listening to Up Next with host Tommy Lee, getting to know another influential leader. To hear past episodes, visit upnext.city. That's upnext.city. Join Tommy for Up Next, Saturdays at 3.30 on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.